What's up, guys, and welcome to the We Believe Golden State Warriors Basketball Podcast, a sports ethos presentation. I'm your host, Sam Orlick. Here today on Sunday, December 5th, the Warriors have now lost two of their last three games. Curry is struggling. And the Suns and the Spurs have proved that the Warriors are not unbeatable. Let's dive into it. So going back to Tuesday, November 30th, was the first matchup between the Warriors and the Suns. This was the long-awaited one and two seed in the Western Conference, two of the top teams in the league. And it would be the Suns who would come away with this one, 96-104, in a game where the Warriors dominated from the boards, struggled from three, and just had way too many turnovers. Whereas the Suns would lose Devin Booker 15 minutes into the game, would not return with a hamstring issue, and yet it was the depth of the Suns on full display as they got multiple contributors scoring in double figures, defensive intensity throughout the night limiting Steph's effectiveness, forcing turnovers from Juan Toscano-Anderson and Draymond Green trying to initiate the offense, and the Warriors really struggling to score and put the ball in the basket when Curry was not able to do so himself. So let's talk some numbers here. Warriors win the battle of the boards 51-35. to In This has been an ongoing trend throughout the season, despite being undersized, despite Kevon Looney really being the only true center, healthy center on this team at this time. It's a rebound by committee. Everyone's crashing the boards. You get Wiggins, Curry, Draymond, Toscano, Bielitsa, Porter Jr. when he's out there, Guadal when he's out there, Damian Lee when he's out there. And that has been a really nice trend throughout the season. Rebounding is a very important part of pulling out wins, although it didn't help the Warriors tonight. It's great to see them continue to be up on the plus side of that category. Where the Warriors did struggle mightily in this matchup against the Suns was from the three-point line and with turnovers. Warriors shot 14 of 40, 35% from three, and had 22 turnovers on the night, five from Draymond Green and five from Toscano Anderson. Gary Payton II and Otto Porter Jr. would be the only players that would end with a net plus in the plus-minus category. Curry went on to shoot 4 of 21, 3 of 14 from 3. Whereas from the Suns, you got Chris Paul with 15, 24 from Ayton on 11 of 19 shooting, and 14 points from Cam Johnson and Jay Crowder. So it was a significant difference in really flipping the script for the Warriors for a team that's really been a strength in numbers type squad where on nights even when Curry wasn't shooting well, timely contributions from Damian Lee, Toscano Anderson, Bielitsa, Otto Porter Jr., and that just wasn't there tonight. And it was pretty clear that the bench production was a big issue. When Curry sat out, uh, the team struggle- struggled. When Curry was on the floor, the team struggled. So there were a lot of unforced turnovers, you could see that this was a game where missing Andre Iguodala and Damian Lee did play a big role. Chris Chioza got some extended playing time in the second quarter due to the struggles from Steph and foul trouble from Jordan Poole, as well as uh, missing Iguodala and Lee. Um, This seemed like a great game where Jonathan Kaminga might have gotten some minutes as a guy who can get above the rim and help provide some defense. However, Kerr seemed to go away from him. Nemanja Bielitsa has cooled off a little bit. He is a really big part of this team in rotation and at times just looks a little indecisive or when his shot's not falling, 
um, hard to justify keeping him on the floor. All in all, for the Warriors, the effort was there, but the execution was not. And despite all of this, it was a close game until the end. This wasn't a blowout. The Warriors did win the Battle of the Boards, and Otto Porter Jr. continues to look good. You got to think that if one of the other bench guys had stepped up with a double figures type of game off the bench, this could have easily gone the other way. Regardless, hats off to the Suns. Mikhail Bridges did his best to limit Steph, and he certainly did. Moving on to Friday, December 3rd, we're back in San Francisco for a rematch, and the script was flipped. 96 to 118, the Warriors win, blowing out the Suns. The Warriors continued to dominate the boards 51 to 38. However, shooting nearly 50% from three on 13 of 39, only 16 turnovers this time. Curry ended up with 23 points, 6 of 11 from three. You got 14 from Poole, 19 from Wiggins, 19 from Gary Payton second, and 17 from Toscano Anderson. So exactly what we said, a little bit of extra production from the bench goes a long way. In this case, enough to blow out the Suns, who again were without Devin Booker. And the defensive intensity was there from Draymond Green from the start. This was a quintessential Draymond Green performance. Nine points, nine rebounds, nine assists, six steals, and three blocks. Green was everywhere. He was primarily matched up with Ayton, who did still score in double figures on 7 of 16 shooting, but the looks were much different. Green was all over it. There were a lot of inbounds passes to Ayton that Green was able to uh, to intercept, leading to his six steals. You had Juan Toscano Anderson who had one of his best games of the season and arguably one of the best dunks of the season with a thunderous poster on JaVale McGee. Um, and the bench matters. That's what we've been saying, right? It, it's going to take more than Curry scoring 30 every night or even Curry, Poole, and Wiggins. You need the Toscanos, the Lees, the Wiggins, the Otto Porters to contribute and step up, especially if Steph's struggling or when defenses are going to overload on Steph, which is coming to be the norm. So back-to-back, San Antonio Spurs, Saturday December 4th, and this game had Trap Letdown Game written all over it after playing the Phoenix Suns and the Warriors getting up for two of the most highly anticipated games of the season to then have to come back and play the lowly Spurs. And this was a struggle from the start. San Antonio got off to a very early lead. The Warriors found themselves down 22 in the first quarter. And this was not the same Warriors team we had just seen the night before. San Antonio would go on to win the game, 107-112. The boards were even at 45. The Warriors shot 13 of 39 from three. Only 12 turnovers. Five players in double figures for the Warriors. Curry had 27 on a very high volume, 27 shots. Poole had 15, Wiggins had 11, JTA 13, Damian Lee 14. No Otto Porter, no Iguodala, no Kaminga or Moody in this game. 
San Antonio ended up getting 15 plus points from Keldon Johnson, Derek White, DeJounte Murray, and Lonnie Walker. And this was a really strange game. Greg Popovich gets a lot of credit here because the Spurs came in incredibly well coached. They had a plan and they stuck to it. The Warriors did come back and overcome that 22 point deficit and eventually take the lead late in the game. However, it wasn't enough to hang on and secure the victory. San Antonio seemed to get whatever they wanted going downhill at the hoop. And then when they decided they wanted to get away from that, they were bombing in threes. Uh, The three-point percentage was uncharacteristically high for the Spurs in the first half. The second half, they started missing some shots, but at that point, it was too late. Curry couldn't buy a bucket, and this wasn't the Mikhail Bridges effect, although the Spurs did defend Curry very well. This was just Curry missing a lot of shots. Um, while Curry did have a tremendous half-court half court three-pointer going into halftime, it just simply wasn't enough. And, you know, you got to begin to wonder, you know, when Jen Wiseman and Clay Thompson comes back, what's this team going to look like? Because they really needed some rim protection and a little bit more control of the guards. It's turned into a little bit of an issue here at times against some of these teams who are guard heavy that these guys are getting to the rim they're winning their one-on-one matchups defensively and that's been a problem for the warriors on nights where we can't convert offensively ourselves and this really affected the flow of the warriors the spurs don't turn the ball over so the warriors did not get into transition they didn't get easy looks um And even when they did try to, the Spurs got back on defense and you got to give them a lot of credit. So this was a really tough game, unfortunate loss for the Warriors, especially after losing to Phoenix um, going back on Tuesday. Uh, They had just played such a great game the night before. And I don't think the back-to-back really matters. I think this was more just the NBA is a gauntlet. It's an 82-game season. It's really hard when you get up for a really big matchup to come back the next night and bring that same intensity and energy when you know you're not playing the same level of talent. There have been a few games like this throughout the season that almost happened. Uh, The Cleveland Cavaliers, Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, a couple games that almost were trap games, but the Warriors were able to come out with wins. This looked like it was going to be a repeat of one of those games where, you know, getting down 22, you really thought it was over, and then it wasn't. They continued to fight. They continued to battle. Uh, You give the Warriors a lot of credit for hanging in there and not throwing in the towel. It's unfortunate that the execution wasn't there at the end of the game to gut that one out. You need those stinging losses, though, throughout the season to really keep your mind sharp and to to keep your appetite up, to continue that hunger, to be the best team, to lock down that top seed in the West. So... Yeah, it's disappointing. This one stings. You do need some stingers along the way to keep up motivation and energy. So I wanted to look at a few trends as we're now getting into or past the quarter mark of the season. And one of those that's been a little wonky for the Warriors lately is the woes from the free throw line. So the Warriors are currently 19th in free throw shooting uh, at 76% which is very surprising when you consider that Steph Curry and Jordan Poole are both above 90% free throw shooters. Um, And there's not really a great way to explain this. Draymond Green is a great free throw shooter, although he's been clunking them lately. 
Now, Andrew Wiggins has always struggled a little bit at the line, but he's never really been a high-volume type of free-throw shooter. Kevon Looney, you know, doesn't shoot a lot of free-throws. He does he does typically miss a few here or there. And then you've got a lot of, like, Tassano Anderson, Otto Porter Jr., Bielitsa. I mean, these are guys that should be making their free throws. And when you look at some of these most recent losses, you have to wonder if a few more makes at the free throw line might have changed the outcome of the game, especially for San Antonio, where the Warriors shot 14 of 21 from the line. So seven points right there. That's the difference in the game. It's a five-point loss. Um, 10 of 14 and 9 of 12 in the two Phoenix games. So not a lot of free throw attempts to begin with, but you need to convert when you get there if you're not named Curry and Jordan Poole. And so I really look at that as an important metric going forward. If the Warriors want to be an elite team, and especially going deep into the playoffs, you need to make your free throws. You need to get to the line, and then when you get there, you need to convert. That's really important. So a little disappointing to see them fall off there. Uh, you'd kind of expect with Curry and Poole that they'd be you know, more closer to the top 10. Sure, Wiggins and Looney are going to struggle at times, but for example, you know, in the San Antonio game, Piscano Anderson went 1-4, of four, right? You just can't do that. You really need to make those... You know, these are professional athletes, and you hope that that's a trend that does not continue. Another thing I wanted to talk about is the play of Otto Porter Jr., because he has been a really key piece of this team in some decisive victories. He continues to come off the bench and do everything that Steve Kerr is asking from him. He's striping his three-pointers. Um, some of his most notable performances against the Clippers, he was 3 of 7 from 3, 4 of 8 against Phoenix in the loss and 104 actually in the win, which was kind of interesting, actually, when you think about it, in that blowout win. But excluding that Chase Center blowout for Otto Porter, he's playing exceptionally well off the bench. He's rebounding, defending at a high level, and you just see he has the ability to do a little bit of everything. Um, playing mostly the four and even the five at times, he fits well with Otto Porter, with Draymond Green next to Steph. He continues to run the floor, make the right plays. Um, he has shown a little bit of having an issue if teams run him off the line and he's forced to try and create and put something up um, from the mid-range or even at the rim, but I'm not too concerned about that. I am very encouraged by his play of late. Uh, it seems like Piscano Anderson, on the other hand, has been a little bit up and down, so it'll be interesting to see what version of Piscano we get on any given night. You know that he's going to bring the energy and intensity for sure. Uh, the turnovers are an issue for him. Some, some games you just see he's trying to do a little bit too much. And you also get the sense that, you know, teams are coming out hungry to be the Warriors. There's enough of the sample size of data that teams are starting to game plan. They're looking at past games for sure. That Spurs game is going to be taped that a lot of teams are going to take back to the film room and try and reincorporate some of those principles that Greg Popovich put on the Warriors for their respective squads when they match up. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how the Warriors adjust to that and which guys continue to make a meaningful impact off the bench. We've got the looming return of Clay Thompson and James Wiseman. So Thompson is reportedly a few weeks away, hoping to play before Christmas, but no official word yet as to when exactly he'll be back. But you just get the sense that, you no, know, this team is ready. I mean, it's going to be a special moment when get Clay back. And a lot of these issues, and for sure, at least a lot of these uh, most recent losses, I think will easily be corrected with the return of Clay Thompson. So you get a bonafide shooter off the bench. We'll see what he can do defensively. But from a spacing perspective, you got to love what Thompson brings to the table, and he looks really good. The film that we've seen, seen of him, his warm-up routine before games, he looks good. He's moving smoothly. The jumper looks silky smooth as always. So I'm really excited to get Clay Thompson back, as I'm sure are the Warriors and the rest of the nation. And you got to think that when he does get back into the rotation, a lot of these issues that we're starting to see in some of these recent losses are going to be resolved. So looking ahead for the Warriors, next game, Monday, December 6th, against the Orlando Magic. 
followed by Wednesday against the Portland Trailblazers, and then at Philadelphia on Saturday, December 11th. So, let's get back into the win column. I'm Sam Kerlick. This has been a Sports Ethos presentation. Thank you for listening to the We Believe Golden State Warriors podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show. Follow me on Twitter at Sam And let's go, Dub Nation! <laughs>